Yo, hey, what's good, people? This is episode 65. This is Sports Debate Tuesday. I got my boy Rob McLean, and the episode starts right now. <laughs> Gotta edit in the mute. <laughs> Don't matter none. You know why? Because <laughs> hated I love with the underdogs on top. And I'm going to shine, homie, until my heart stops. Envy me. I'm Raps MVP. And I ain't going nowhere, so you should get to know me. What's up along with my man Rob? Keep it. McLean. McLean. I am yours truly. I'm Jason DeBeers. This is episode 65 of Sports Debate Tuesday. Rob, fixing my chair. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps getting lower. What the hell? <laughs> there you go. Oh, and I rise again. Um, great weekend, huh? Bellator outshined the UFC in so many ways. They had like uh, some good, um, great main event. Anthony Johnson's Rumble Johnson's back on the scene, dropping people, starching people like he, you know, picked up where he left off. In fact, if you remember where he was before, he was like a heavy 205. He was a shredded 205 this time. He, he looked cut, dude. He looked king cut. So... Where Bellator outshined the UFC, where the basketball games had a little bit more intensity because the playoffs are around the corner, right? This is May 16th, I think is the last week. And I think the 16th to the 18th are like play-in games, which maybe mm -hmm. you could educate the masses on. Um, where draft picks, working out with the teams, kind of gives you a picture of how they look. So now we can reevaluate some of these people. Um, you could have been up. From Friday to Sunday, 24-7, and gotten your fill uh, continuously uh, 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 fed your sports needs. So really, really, really great weekend. But first things first. Rob, we go to the NBA. Knicks. Big win over the Clippers. Wow, they look good, huh? We're going to have definitely have a discussion about who our MVP is and who our coach of the year is. And, and, and we'll, 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 whatever, we'll do our thing. Uh, Lakers without LeBron. Big win over the Suns. Suns are the top seed or second seed, I believe, the Jazz. The Jazz are number one and two, respectively, uh, chronologically. Rob, the question is, cut through the chase. Yuck, 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 yuck. Which win was more impressive this weekend? Was it the Knicks over the, over the Clippers, or was it the Lakers over the Suns? Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think it's, you know, one of those cases where neither one of them are the worst. You know, it's just someone's the better. Um, so they both great games. I think that they both had telling things in them that, uh, the Lakers are still very deadly, even without, uh, LeBron that, uh, the Suns, you know, they're not as, uh, they're not as good as the record. You know, you can be the second seed if you want, but at the end of the day, one team's going to come out of the West, you know, so you're going to have to beat teams that have either beaten you before or, you know, have a formula to beat you or have experience in the playoffs that you don't have. So. Uh, I think it just shows kind of the fragility of that top top tier two West teams um, of the Jazz and the uh, <clears throat> and the Suns. And then when you when you look at the East, you know, I just think it shows, uh, you know, the Knicks are are definitely a real team. You know, top ten in defense, top ten in offense. You know, you can't really, you know, that's that's some types of things that the Warriors were doing back in their dynasty. They don't have the talent like the Warriors has, not even close, but. They're still doing what they need to do to be an efficient team and to play efficient ball. So, I mean, I don't think either one of them is, is more telling than the other. I think they just have it's just a lot of information uh, of how great this playoff is going to be, um, where you have some of the better teams coming from the bottom, and uh, you know some of the some of the 
maybe not so experienced teams in the top flight positions that are have the chance to, to make a deep run in the playoffs. So I think the Knicks are a real team. I think that, uh, you know, for years to come, this is a, this is the time where you're going to say they started to build and, uh, you know, they're going up from here. So I think it's, it's in the season, I think it's probably more important for the Lakers, but um, long-term or even, you know, how far they're going to go this season, I think it's really telling for the Knicks that they beat one of the best, best teams in the West, you know. Rob, keep it. McLean. McLean. It's supposed to be a debate show, right? And everything you said was right. It was, it was equally impressive for both. And it's, it's, it's as far as significant imp, uh, impressions are concerned, it's just a fun discussion because there's no loser. Uh, I mean, they both literally won. Of course, they both, uh, more than figuratively, they literally won o- over the weekend. Uh, we're we're pre airing a little bit, so bear with us, people. And to the question, which one was more impressive? I mean, gun to my head or maybe no gun to my head. I got to go with the Knicks. Ain't no debate about that. I mean, we're supposed to be a debate show, but I think we find ourselves once again for the umpteenth time uh, agreeing. We should just call the Sports Agree Tuesday. Um, and I'll tell you why. The Lakers playing the Suns without LeBron James. I mean, it, it increases the Suns' chances of winning, but in our heart of hearts, we always knew, even without LeBron, with, a, with good coaching and with, with a healthy AD, the, no one's surprised that the Lakers beat the Suns. The Knicks, as good as they've been and, and as good as what they can become, we're still a little bit more surprised that we've beaten these good teams. You know, you know, you know what I mean? And, and it wasn't like a depleted Clippers team. It wasn't like, you know, like Kawhi didn't play. Kawhi did have a hand injury, but it doesn't, you know, he's a, he's, he's tougher than people give him credit for. He, he's not, he's not soft because he's not, he's soft spoken. I mean, the guy could, the guys, you know, he, they're elite athletes. Elite athletes play with injuries all the time. Injuries we don't know about injuries. You're an elite athlete, you know, you probably never went to a, one tournament 100%. And if you do, you can't even remember that day. So, yeah, look, can't disqualify Davis, man. 42 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists. You know, Caruso and Pope put up 17 each. Everybody did their part. You know, um, Schroeder, um, quiet quiet night for him, but he it was, it was a night for him to be quiet because they didn't really need him to produce. They, they were a true team without LeBron. They had to be a true team without LeBron with AD leading the charge. Everybody knows their role. If it's AD's function to score, he score, but... Yo, the Knicks, man, 12-3 and three in their last 15 games. But you look at the schedule, all right, they beat this team, they beat that team. And finally, when they played the Suns a, a week ago or whatever, see, that's what happens when they play good teams, you know? So everybody wouldn't have been – they're more surprised – they'd be more surprised if the Knicks won and less surprised if the Clippers beat them. You know, it's, it's nice, nice little run. They don't have any real stars on that team. They're, you know, I mean, so I heard someone even actually call them a cute, a cute little team too. And I think, I think the Knicks are like, <laughs> you know, like mentally speaking, like, did they just call us cute? <laughs> right. You know, twelve and three. Rose, man, uh, Rose, twenty-five points, six rebounds, eight assists. He led the charge over um, my potential MVP candidate, Randall. 
you know, Randall, we'll talk. Maybe, maybe we'll have an MVP discussion later, like who, who's in there or whatever, because there's so many players who are worthy who missed so much time this season. I, you know, like Embiid missed a lot of time. I think we right now we're having Greek freak fatigue, fatigue. So we might not, we, you know, we might not, they might not vote him. And Curry lit it up again, 49 points on Sunday. I mean, um, crazy. But you look at both teams right now, they're both 38 and 30. It took the Knicks everything they got to get there, and it took the Lakers everything they didn't have to get there, <laughs> right? Um, Lakers' last four games, Knicks, Rockets, Pacers, Pelicans. The Knicks' last four games, Lakers, Spurs, Hornets, and Celtics. So Knicks have a little tougher finish. They might finish They might finish equal, they might finish behind, but I can only tell you this. One is fourth in their conference, one is seventh in their conference, and, and with this whole play-in rule, the Knicks might be in trouble. I mean, the Lakers might be in trouble if... You know, if Curry decides to have a good night, four nights out of seven, you know, they're going to need LeBron injured or not to get back in that game. So um, I think we both agree this one's the Knicks, right? For sure. So, hey, you you stayed with your team, man. You stayed with your team. I abandoned Chip, and, and I'm so upset because the Knicks turned into this team that I, uh, I as a, you know, a sports fan, worship I, I i am i have this romanticism where my hero is is not someone that should be endowed with superpowers from another planet they're they're someone that you can relate to as an everyday guy that's that's a blue collar team no real stars in the team you know hey man it's never too late to come back <laughs> they're calling me like gotta, crack cocaine right now because i don't like teams that have drama that <laughs> i leave teams that have too much drama why not why not turn to my knicks hat i mean oakley got kicked out and then they made See, Spike Lee. And, they and, made a sixty-year-old take the long way back to the guard. Made him leave, go all the way around the block. Come on, man! And now the Nets got. I'm a Nets fan now. They got drama. It's funny because it's the same thing with that hat on your head right now. Like I, I love the Yankees because you know with the Mets, man, it's nothing but drama. I like the Giants because you know mm -hmm. with the Jets, man, it's nothing but drama. And so the same thing is with the Nets. Like I feel like it's so superficial. They've been trying to buy people to come there for years and years and years. And now they finally bought the right guy. And now they're buying another guy and another guy. It's just, it's very superficial to me. And I feel like the Knicks, I am glad they've done it the right way. I still don't feel like it's anything of James Nolan's doing. And no, I think he should. All he got to do easily, is stay out the way. Yeah. And all he's going to do is in, in, inevitably unravel that team for a big trade for a superstar. Because if you remember before, Carmelo Anthony, this is the exact look of the team. The exact look. It was just, it fit what we needed to be. And if we might not win a championship, it's okay. But the, 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 like you're saying, people admire a good team, good basketball. It's been happening in Chicago for so long. You know, they haven't won championships, but they played good basketball. They're fun to you know, watch, that, right? And that's where, where Tibbs came from. You know, it's just, you know, good basketball, defensive coach. And if we have offense, you know, we'll let that shine. For a decade, though, the Knicks weren't fun to watch. You know, even that team that made the playoffs, they weren't, they weren't fun to watch. They just let everybody score on them. And I'm, and I'm like, why are we still giving that? Why are we still buying tickets? Why are we still giving these people our money? That's, I mean, yeah. I, I had it, I literally had it up to, up to here, up to the visor I cat, where, I I, where I had to go straight Brooklyn. I'm, I'm from Brooklyn anyway. I was like, okay, that's my borough. My borough got a team. I could get on board with them. You know, that's why I was born and raised. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. So, yep. Hey, Nick's more impressive if we had to pick. Both equally impressed as impressive, but um, more, Nick's more impressive because I find him more surprising. Um, 
let's move along because we got a lot uh, in the section of quick question. So we let's we, we keep this ball rolling. Um, we move on to mixed martial arts. Not a heavy weekend, right? I mean, me and you were hesitant to even watch any events. Probably weren't even aware there, there was an event until last minute because there were so many bouts canceled in the UFC um, because the people had an illness. This one had an injury uh, where Bellator took over. Anthony Rubble Johnson was back. He got challenged by, um, I got to get this guy's name, Jose Augusto. It was the first time I ever saw him fight. And Augusto had a six slick submissions, takedown defense, um, and he, he dropped Johnson. i never seen Anthony Johnson drop. You know, and the referee yeah. let it go a little bit and Johnson recovered, which is even more impressive. Um, Archuleta, Juan Archuleta against Sergio Pettis was the main event. Great. I mean, for the, for the MMA purists, stand up and watching the transitions, it was so great. Um, so mad at the UFC this weekend. Before we get to our debate, our actual debate question, so mad that Michelle Waterson, the karate Heidi and Hardigas had had to save the, at least the end of this otherwise show where it looked like I didn't know if neither fighter wanted it or both fighters wanted it. Where it just didn't look like a good a good fight. So I looked like guys were worried about wins instead of going out there. Dana is like least favorite kind of card that um, I stuck with it and I ended up watching Waterson and Rodriguez, who I, um, I only saw for the second time, win by unanimous decision over the Karate Heidi. Waterson, still proud of her. The na- a name like the Karate Heidi, you don't even have to win every match to keep your brand. You know what I'm saying? Girl got a Wikipedia page. We good. So um, the question, because two of these fights, uh, one got pulled. Benoit missed weight at 125 or 129. And, and the flyweight division. And Fajeda missed weight for 155, 160.5 pounds, all right? And he fought. Now, the question is, Rob, and I'm going to go first, and, I, and for the, the fans who came here to, to hear more Rob's voice than mine, bear with me, but don't get undressed. The question is, should there be added weight classes? Or there should be, or should there be stronger punishments for people not making weight? Rob, I'm going to go first. There should be stronger punishments for people not making weight. I know the bo- boxing has these ridiculous light cruiserweight, middle cruiserweight, heavy cruiserweight, all these weight classes, and you never see boxers. You never really see a boxer miss weight. Yeah, it's. I mean, only in mixed martial arts you see these guys trying to suck down. But for me, Rob, you only have two jobs. All right, one job is to show up for fight day to fight, and the other job is to make weight. Now, what you now, if you want to be the Twinkie campi- champion on your own time, then then contract yourself for a heavier weight class. These people are trying to suck down weight because they know they think they can rehydrate, be a heavier version of themselves, coming bigger. And because everyone's doing that, the other fighters feel like their hand is forced to do the same thing when they don't learn their lesson. George St. Pierre, you know, he lost his weight in training. <laughs> you know, he doesn't even miss weight. So, I don't like it because if you look at the win loss record. For the people who don't make weight. And the other guy's not going to say, I don't want to fight, right? Because you don't want to, you know, you think, people think he's a puss, right? They end up fighting, and the guy who missed weight is 24 and 4 on wins and losses. So the guy who missed weight, who usually misses weight, um, they get they forfeit 30% wins. of their purse. But for their brand and to move up in the rankings, to some of them, it's, it's worth it. They got sponsors, right? I mean, some of them are broke, but some got sponsors like, you know what? I missed weight, but I got this win and I'm moving up in the rankings. So 
Fajera, thank God, I mean, I don't cheer against people, but I'm glad he lost. <laughs> you missed weight by five and a half pounds, which means, and you know if they missed weight by five and a half pounds, Rob, that means what? That means they were mad heavy to even get to that, to, to get to the miss. So my punishment should be one of two things. Forfeit 80% of your purse. Meaning you basically either fighting for free or if you miss the weight, scrap it. The fans will boo it, but I'm telling you if, you, if you scrap it, you do all that training, you don't even get show up money, much, never mind win money. I'm telling you, people are going to make that command decision to either hire nutritionists to make their weight, fight in the upper weight classes and suck it up like a man, a man up, a woman up, if you will. But we cannot have these fights scrapped and people look like they're coming in on a, on a, uh, uh, what do you call it? A dehydration drumstick. The guy had to be carried to the scale. That's why the athletic commission scrapped Benoit's fight. So, the question, Rob, and that you and you already see, you already know my answer. I'm pretty adamant. I'm pretty clear about this. Should there be added weight classes, or should there be stronger sanctions or punishments for people who miss weight? Well, I'm all for more weight classes. I mean, I, I only think that's going to grow the sport. Um, I only think that's going to make. Uh, the opportunity for multiple belts to be won. Um, and, you know, and that creates more pay-per-view buys. That creates more, you know, just clout for these guys to to to, to make these super fights um, as opposed to, you know, just working up the rankings. And now the rankings are totally, you know, opinionated. There's, there's really no system to rank them or point system to really get them to a certain place or know how many fights to get to here. It could be, Cosmont coming unranked fighting against the 15 top 15 guy and then automatically he's top 10 you know it's just like whoa how does that even make sense so um at the end of the day i think uh consistency with the rankings because again pound for pound fighters you know there's basically a blind uh vote and then a, a list comes out and that's who's the pound for pound in the world you know it's just like at the end of the day i think there needs to be a little bit more clarity in how that uh if the fight world's going to legitimize themselves, I think there needs to be clarity on how they rank their fighters and how their fighters move through the ranks um, and also how they rank their pound for pound best because those really do mean a lot, not only for endorsements for players, but uh, for fighters, but for, um, you know, just to build their brand and to have those pay-per-view, uh, you know, have those ads made for them so that they can build their pay-per-view. Um, but getting back to the, you know, the weight classes, um, or the stiffer punishments. For me, I feel as though the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to stifle the growth of fighters coming into the uh, the fight world. So I feel when we're talking about the pay, I think the pay should stay the same because there needs to be the draw to fight and the ability to sustain themselves. At least even if they make a mistake, you know, even if their mistake is premeditated, you know, they're still within the business and they still make the business money. So uh, they think they're still owed money. Um, for putting that training in and for, you know, uprooting their lives to make it, uh, you know, a professional life for them. Um, but I think that, like you're saying, the company, and this again goes to the rankings, it goes to what's happening behind the scenes, needs to be more stringent on if you miss weight, this won't, this bout may be an unofficial win or loss for you, the the person who lost, who didn't make weight, you know, so it's like the, they'll get paid but there's no up or down risk take, uh, you know, they're not going to lose anything, but they're not going to go up further, you know, so they're just going to stay in the rankings the same win or loss. And, you know, that's, that's kind of how it is. Or, you know, they don't go up, 
You know, even if they win, they don't increase in the rankings. If they lose, they may go down. So it's just a high risk um, situation for them if they miss weight as opposed to be about the money or to be about um, just scrapping the fight totally. Because like you said, you don't want to lose interest from the fans. You don't want to lose interest from the fighters, um, you know, and there's other leagues coming up. So, you know, the UFC starts cutting out the fighters' legs. They can easily just go to another place, create their own fighters-only league. Um, you know, there's a lot of options out there. So at the end of the day, I think there needs to just be a little bit of co- uh, cooperation and uh, it'll be easy to make something happen. Yeah. So, Rob, because your argument is so compelling, I'm kind of on board a little bit and I'll pose this question. Let's say we, before I ask this question, do we both agree the biggest gaps in these weight classes is 155 to 170, right? right. 170 to 185 and then 185 to 205, that's 20 pounds. Let's say they restructure 155, 165, 175, 185, 195, 205. With that, if you are an owner or if you were the athletic commission or, or whoever's, whoever combination of the two runs this, do you think if they ran it like that, there'd be, there'd be less weight misses? So, yeah, but I also don't think it should just go interval like that. I think there really does need to be some separation, uh, especially around that 160 to, one, to 205 range. Like, let's say and add an extra division, you know, like move 185 down to, you know, 180, put like a 190 and a 205, you know, like have a, a smaller interval range, maybe other places, mm-hmm. you know, where, where the fighters are smaller because, you know, it's harder to lose pounds when you're in a smaller weight class, you know, when you're up a little higher, you can kind of fluctuate a bit more. Um, so I think it's more, you know, maybe not like the same intervals going up and down, maybe like a seven to, you know, a five to seven pound weight change in early in the lighter weight classes and maybe like a, you know, 10 to 12 uh, split, but um, 20 pounds. Yeah. is just outrageous to, 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 to ask it, you know, and that's the range of when you're talking about an athlete, you know, at a certain height, you know, five ten is, you know, I would say like uh, maybe on the small side for, you know, a, an athletic person, they can range from, you know, a person that's 5'10 can range from 170 pounds to 220, you know, 240, you know. So I think that, you know, talking about an average height of, of, of human beings, um, that that range there needs to be kind of f- needs to fluctuate a little bit heavier than maybe, let's say, guys who are about 5'7", five, 5'8", five, five, you know. So I think height and, you know, the, the mass you can put on that height has to has has, has a little bit of a factor in how big those weight classes can can uh, have a difference in. 100%. In fact, I'd make an even stronger argument for having more lower weight classes, right? Because as far as cutting weight, you know, the bodies are so small. There's not a there's right? Where, do you, where are you going to cut it from without actually, right. you know, cutting someone's arm off or hand? Right. So, very, yeah, very, very good argument. Congratulations to Anthony Johnson. Moves on to the semifinals. And I think he faces the 205-pound champ from Russia, whose name escapes me. Uh, Ryan Bader's still in it. He's going to uh, fight Corey Anderson. That's going to be the other semifinals. That's a light heavyweight grand. Grand Prix, and that's going to be down the line. Two weeks from now, Chris Cyborg makes her debut in Bellator. 
and I'm definitely interested in doing that. That's on the 21st. That falls on a Friday. Uh, so for this weekend, we got a little bit of uh, housekeeping to do before we get out of MMA. Uh, we got USC 262 coming up. So let's take a look at this card, okay? And let's pick some winners. So Rob, Charles Oliveira, Michael, Michael Chandler for the vacant two um, lightweight championships. <laughs> is that, is that, you want me to answer that? Yeah, man. That's why we, we get all dressed <laughs> up for nothing, man. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, yeah, I'm going to go with Oliveira because, you know, I'm a UFC purist, let's say. Um, I love that he came from where he came from, how he came up, but, man, Chandler is deadly. So we'll see, man. Uh, I'll pick Oliveira for now because I think it, it could, this fight could go anywhere. So if it does, I like Oliveira. I go Chandler by um, stiffening um, <laughs> slash starching. Um, Tony Ferguson fights Benil Dariush. Is this T, is this T Ferg's comeback fight, or is there, or does Dariush pull this out? I go I go Ferguson. Yeah, I got Ferguson. All right, cool. Jack Hermanson against Edmund Shabazian. Dangerous, dangerous fighter, dude. Mm-hmm. I gotta go with Shabazian. Wow. Me too, I guess. Caitlin Chuk again versus Viviana Rujo. I go Chuk again. Yes, yeah, and, and I go Barboza over over Saint, Saint, Shane, uh, Shane Burgos. So Jacare fighting Munoz, huh? Look at that, huh? Yeah, Jacare. Andrew yeah. Lee fighting Valentina's sister. Yeah, right. it's a good card. Yeah, man, I'm gonna see it. Maybe we have Lando. a watch party. Maybe we get get you get that second Fauci ouchie, man. We could have a watch party. Right? Get, right, get some Chinese and, and and watch the fights and get Greg Greg I don't know Greg Faulkner over. So, all right, that's it for mixed martial arts, and now we're gonna go to beach volleyball and indoor volleyball because it's a wheel house. <laughs> hey, um, congratulations, Hawaii beat BYU the same way BYU got to the finals. BYU served, oh my goodness, they served Lewis off the court. Gabby, um. Um, from Puerto Rico, it was just just a serving and hitting machine, and Hawaii made it look like child's play, man. I mean, I I always said beach volleyball, the thing that divides the higher open level players from the lower level open players is, is the serve, and for indoor, the thing that divides double A from open are the middles. But you got served a space like that. I haven't seen anything like that since that dude from Ohio State when Ohio State was like repeat champions. That dude from France, and the and the outside hitter, man. So congratulations to Hawaii. Um, I don't um, don't know if there's an asterisk by their by their season because I know there were a lot of game cancellations. But at the end of the day, I, all of the best teams that deserved to be in the playoffs went. Lewis was my dark horse pick, but you know, I mean, separating the men from the boys, I, I give you the semifinals and finals. So congratulations to Hawaii. So now. I want to talk about beach volleyball. I know you didn't get to watch a whole lot of it. I know you, uh, you peaked at the finals and the semifinals and this and that. LMU made made a big stink, right? They um, beat LSU and UCLA the same day to stay in the winner's bracket. USC um, knocked them out of the winner's bracket. UCLA climbed out of the loser's bracket to face USC. And USC, um, sooner or later, talent took, took over, as well as good coaching. Congratulations to Dane Blanton. Congratulations to Gustavo, you know, Gus, who's like kind of the, the, the man behind the plan, right? The secret of, the, of their success. And Dane, you know how I always say, like, people have talented players. I always tease them. I call them, like, okay mechanics in a room full of Ferraris. Dane's a little bit more than that because when you're favored to win, um, that's pressure too, right, Rob? Like, 
if anything other than winning the NCAA is a fail, I mean, that's not a no-pressure situation. That's a pressure situation, you know. Um, LSU had some pressure situations, too. I mean, they, they were the number one seed last year, and they really wanted to, you know, finish what, what COVID ruined. And so congratulations to Stein, finals. Big up to John Mayer, you know, the team no one was talking about, you know, going in, you know, and... Stanford making making this making the NCAA's actually left me scratching my head. I mean, but them as a sixth seed over Cal Poly until um, TCU even more so. But it is what it is. Good, you know, good for Fuller, good for Hector, right? TCU, eight deserving teams. Florida State, of course, the the beast from the East. So with that being said, we're gonna do an individual award things, and I consolidate all of my awards to three major categories. Rob, these are my awards. Let's start with. Player of the Year, that's right. Player of the Year, that is Tina Gradina. Okay, she is the Latvian. And look at her, accept this sacrifice, oh ball of darkness, as she serves cross court. You heard of Eddie Guerrero, the Guerrero brothers saying, we lie, we cheat, we steal. Nope, she digs, she blocks, she kills. <laughs> and there she is. And by the way, she won a bid in China to go to the Olympics. So she's representing her country, Latvia to go to the Olympics. Automatic bid, good for her. She's gonna keep the Lion King company. Look at that. She covers, she cuts, <laughs> she leaves the net. She comes back to the net, no problem. Got a block, good night. <laughs> Walks away like she shot the sheriff. Give me a hug. Tina Gradina, player of the year. Now, pair of the year. Listen, there are a lot of great pairs. Tina has a great pair. Um, you look at UCLA, they had a great pair, okay? Now, you're always looking for the perfect set. You're always looking for the perfect serve. You're always looking for the perfect swing. Great transition play. But God made only one thing perfect in college of each volleyball, and that's these two girls' win-loss record. They are 35-0. and 0. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, they did not lose a match. They lost to four total sets in that 35-0 and 0 record, so... Good pairs, but pair of the year, there shouldn't even be a debate about this. That is Kristen Nuss, that is Taryn Cloth. And coach of the year, John the Mayor Mayor. When he started that program, he used indoor players. They were 6-13 and 13 their first year, 22-14 and 14 their second year, 21-9. and nine. Eventually won the WCC Champions in 2019. Repeat championship this year in 2021. Upset LSU, upset UCLA, makes it to the semifinals. The team that no one was talking about, coached by the coach who does more with less. Congratulations. Congratulations, John Mayer. You are my coach of the year. I love that dude. Listen, big up to Carissa Cook. Super sub. Betsy Flint had a baby. Carissa Cook's there. And baby bro, the mini-me, John Mayer Jr., Joseph Mayer. Actually, his kid brother, Joseph Mayer, was his other assistant. Rob, if you saw these two players, if you saw these two guys, that's mini-me. You know you're like, I'm John's brother. You're like... I know that. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. <laughs> so that's a kudos. Anything you want to say about the champs, this and that? Uh, you've seen yeah, Tina yeah. play a little bit, right? And a little bit, yeah. Yeah, a little and, bit. And you worked with John or whatever. And we 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 work with, with Gus Gustavus as much as we can. <laughs> so all positive except for one thing: NPSF games, playoff games. For men's indoor volleyball and flow volleyball, I think we're supposed to pay to watch volleyball when MIVB, MIVA and EIVA and the Big West are showing their shows for free. I think that's shameful, man. How, MPSF, with respect to USC, with respect to UCLA and Pepperdine and all those indoor teams that you got there, or Stanford, 
how about y'all win a title? How about get back on that champ stuff before you start charging people to watch your show or watch your channel, okay? The last 10 champions, Rob McLean. It's, it was, it's the year of repeat champions, so maybe Hawaii is going to repeat next year, but five of the teams, five of the champions were MIVA, Ohio State three times, and Loyola Chicago, who, by the way, one of those beat Division II Lewis in the finals. So and that large bid and the conference shows that, that MIVA is represented. Big West, UC Irvine twice. Long Beach State repeat champs, and now Big West Hawaii, who finally won one. They were in the finals, and they were in the semifinals a couple of years ago, so they've always been in the championship picture. One year, they got ripped off, you know, for in the at-large bids, like Irvine got in instead of them, and, and Jason Olive, if you out there, I know you blaming Harvard for that, but that ain't their fault. They won the EIVA. They beat Penn State, so... so Hey, I'm willing to pay to watch them, but y'all need to get back on some champ stuff for before I before I start paying more money out of my pocket, right? I mean, the UFC was bad enough, right? MMA, they want you to pay for DAZN. They want you to pay for ESPN+. Plus. They want Fox Sports. I actually paid for the extra channel on that. I ain't giving people more of my money to y'all show me some champ stuff. Show me some champ stuff. What you think? That's the truth, man. I mean, yeah. Uh, we, get, we, we be getting, you know, EIVA on uh, the East Coast for free for yeah, forever, man. you know. So I don't know how they can't make it work for them. But, yeah, there's been not too many MPSF uh, champions. So I have to agree with that. The last 10 years, five and five. And the one before that was Big West. It was, it was Irvine. And the one before that was Penn State. <laughs> Get on some champ stuff. Then then give me a call about my money. Because <laughs> I don't know what you heard about me. Because <laughs> you can't get a dollar out of me. <laughs> to try to light no balls I can't see. <laughs> you know the rest. <laughs> All right, man, enough giggling, man. Let's, let's have a little fun with some horse racing. <laughs> and I bring you to shame or not to shame. 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 Okay, let's go to this. Let's do that. And let's go Rob McLean. What's up, bro? What's up, Mike? <laughs> so, Rob, to shame or not to shame, the horse for the Kentucky Derby... <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Medina Spirit failed a post-race drug test. Picograms again, Rob, to shame or not to shame? Oh, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say about that. It's to shame, I guess, you know. Um, yeah, you know, an animal being, you know, drug tested for, for not being, uh, you know, clean is pretty pretty out there. Uh, but I'm sure it happens more often than we think, you know, um, whether it's, you know, horse racing, equestrian, there's a lot of money in, in, uh, in horse racing and, and uh, horse riding. So I, I really don't doubt that this happens more often than we think, honestly. Rob, I'm so glad we both doing this inside the minute because <laughs> we're talking about picograms again. We haven't talked about picograms since John Jones. And since everyone's talking about picograms, I think... Finally, the people who are cheating on these drug tests have finally found a way to get ahead of the, ahead of the science and ahead of the doctors where the only thing you're going to find are picograms. Now, they say picograms, Rob, is a grain of salt in an Olympic-sized swimming pool, right? So 
I don't know what the hell that even means. I, I, that means maybe they maybe that means like picograms are supposed to be there, right? Or, or you know, or maybe that's what's left when they when they trying to cheat. So I, I I suspect that the people who are cheating found a way to get ahead of people with that. And but when you start jugging up a horse, you know, and everyone mad at the damn horse, the horse is like, I didn't ask to get no no needle in, in my horse in my horse hind parts, right? To to try to win a race. <laughs> Ah, no shame on the horse. Shame on the people sticking their knee. I mean, you ain't going to shame a horse. We can't shame no animal for being an animal. That's stupid. And I just, it's weird. I came unprepared for that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, whew. All right, Rob, we back? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to recover. So, Rob, we're finishing off with um, a quick question, all right? This section is called Quick Question. Quick Question. All right, Bobby McGee, quick question. Can the Knicks beat the Hawks if if or when they meet each other in the first round of the playoffs? Oh, for sure. I do. I think the Knicks can beat them. Four, I think they beat them 4-2. If the Knicks win, quick question, can they beat the Nets or the Bucks? Not a chance. Right. Yeah, I don't see that either. Quick question, when healthy? Is Anthony Davis the best player, the best big man in the NBA? I mean, it depends on if you classify uh, Giannis as a big man, but uh, no, I don't think so. Me neither. I got to go with Embiid. I mean, I always, every week I pick Greek Freak, so I'm contradicting myself. But I mean, Jokic looks fantastic with Jamal Marriott, too. I mean, offensively. Oof. Yep. Uh, quick question is Tom Thibodeau, coach of the year. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's right there with Monty Williams, I'd say. I go, yes. I go, yes. Um, quick question Is Randall between these four? Who do you pick for MVP? Randall, Curry, Jokic, Lillard, or Embiid? Five. Embiid. Yep. I pick, um, I pick Lillard. No. I pick Lillard, though, though, Curry. Curry got four games to change my mind. <laughs> um, Quick question, which rookie has the best chance of making the playoffs? And here's the picture. Let's pick between one of these five. Thank you, ESPN. I mean, with them playing? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, without them playing, right? I go 49ers. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, no, I with them Justin playing. Fields. I think Fields has the, the most realistic chance of actually playing and making a like a sizable impact. I, go um, I think Max Jones, Mac Jones is just too, he just needs more time to develop into a, a, like a full, full grown athlete. I feel like. Yeah, me too, man. Got, you got to hit me with that one. Um, yeah. Feels cause they were listening the Chicago bears were a playoff team, you know, before he even got there. And, and he, he's, he's so mature as a quarterback and he's, as far as like hitting his throws and, and, and timing plays, you know, if they keep some, they keep people off of him just for a little bit. He's gonna murder some people. He's gonna mm -hmm. do better than every everyone thinks. You know, and I, I I cheer for him. And you know, I mean, Ohio State hasn't produced a real good, a really good NFL quarterback in a while, and they they've always been really good team players. But this guy's a real quarterback. Um, quick question: Does Mac Jones take Cam Newton's spot before the season's over? Uh, I think so. I do. I think uh. not. I don't think so. 
Um, I just think with Cam's body, he ain't gonna be running like that. And then he's if he's one di- if he's one dimensional, you know, I think port by the end of the season, if they're not having a great year, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And Bill Belichick, you know, he, he he's he, looking for it. Yeah, he ain't that loyal to nobody. <laughs> he's loyal to winning. He'll give you the he'll give you the hook faster than me fishing for cod at Montauk uh, Montauk Point. Um, mm-hmm. Quick question, obvious question. Should Sereni retire? I I'll go first. Yes, I saw him. I saw him fight this weekend, and there's some people you want to retire because you want to. You want to. They want to keep their legacy, like BJ Penn. I think he hurts his legacy as as much as Silva. But this dude, I think he needs to retire because when he gets hit, it just looks like it's it's getting closer and closer to permanent damage. I mean, you got two kids, man. You know, he he ain't fighting for the money. We know that at this point, right? That McGregor fight alone was enough for deter for him to live comfortably. Sure. But so that, that thirty-five seconds against McGregor. You no, know, I know. Well, he didn't throw a shot. He didn't get to. <laughs> well, he threw a kick. It got blocked, and McGregor got mad and kicked him back in the head. Um, so should he? Or you think he's got one? Yeah, or two more? I have to agree with you on that. I think it's just his time, and uh, you know, I, I I honestly would say that he doesn't need to retire, but he should not be on the UFC roster anymore. I mean, I don't think he really stacks up with a lot of guys in the division anymore. Right. Quick question. Um, The Browns say they are not interested in Aaron Rodgers. Is is that them being honest or politically correct? I think it's, I think I'm being honest because they have to look at what they have. And this is going to China, the Justin Fields things we were saying is that you don't need a franchise quarterback. If you have a team already, the, fran- the guys that need a franchise quarterback are the teams that don't really have somebody that's leading their team. You know, if you have, you know, a, a defense, a Khalil Mack, you know, you don't need, you know, a, an Aaron Rodgers to run your team. You know, you just need a guy who can play quarterback. I'm so with you. the same thing. I'm you know, with you. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So same thing for that question. I just think, you know, the Browns, they have Baker Mayfield. They got to think about paying Baker Mayfield before they're thinking about trading for Aaron Rodgers, who at max has three years left and then maybe he goes and you know does something else or you know baker could be for the next 10 years you know uh, and maybe he's not the greatest quarterback but he's still good enough where they can build around him and make a team you know and they have that team already so it's just dumb to blow something up to just to bring in aaron Rodgers to make him feel better that's what i, I, I gotta see, go with so. you i go i go more honest than pc look it took all those years for uh, these personalities you know, uh, to have chemistry and, and everybody like know people's intricacies and, and quirks and all that stuff. All those years to get used to each other, just just to to have to pay more money and maybe possibly trade the whole damn house to get to get someone who's, you know, who looks impatient, with you know, who's who's in, whose patience level is running over on his own team. Nah, nah, there's, there's too many there's too many flags. There's too many warning signs about uh, over uh, over the quarterback we both like. So I got to go with you. It's definitely, definitely honest. They invested in Baker. He, he's, he's delivering, right? They won. They got right. past the first round. They beat Pittsburgh, which is something, you know, on a road game. So quick question, which of these two divisions, two, which of these two divisions is better? The AFC North or the NFC West? Which one? Um, I probably, probably the, um, and uh, you said NFC East. NFC I mean NFC West. West. Yeah, yeah NFC West probably still. East. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. Right, come on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you still got Seahawks, 49ers. I mean, that right there is enough. 
mm-hmm. just for me. Uh, quick question: Which two? Which conference? Pick any conference that you think is going to send two teams to the playoffs in the NFL. I'll go first. I'll go NFC West. They're always going to. They're always going to send two. Actually, both. I think both conferences are going to send two teams. Uh, what is it? AFC South. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Houston yeah. and um. Okay. No. Uh, what is it? You got the Saints and uh, and what's it called? Um, oh, the NFC. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Saints. Drew Brees retired. I don't know. Saints and uh, and and Bucks. I mean, I just think that they they have a great team, and I mm-hmm. think that Brees has always been their distraction. And in all honesty, yeah, you know, so. Well, with seven teams yeah, going yeah. to the playoffs, right? It's an easy. The question becomes a little bit easier. I say yeah. um, NFC West, even though I know the AFC North has four great teams. Pittsburgh, even Pittsburgh on their worst day is going to back in. Cincinnati's not going to be bad forever, even though this year they might need another year. But um, mm-hmm. the, you know, so Rave, I, I would say Ravens and Browns are Ravens and Steelers. Now, which conference is only going to send one? <laughs> say it with me: <laughs> the NFC East. <laughs> hey, I might go AFC East. You know. I mean, True. Dolphins, you know, they could do it, but they could fall apart. You know, who knows what the Patriots going to bring, the Jets or what. And then, you know, Buffalo Bills, baby. Okay, quick question. Um, is Russell Westbrook first ballot Hall of Famer? Uh, I honestly don't don't think so. Um, but, you know, what it really is, the the Hall of Fame, because you know, when you're talking about the effect that a player has had through your community, um, I think that before, you know, I'm not saying there hasn't been anybody in Seattle before, but the effect that he's had on that city, um, you know, with the 12th man and, and just creating an environment where, honestly, it's been feared for a long no, time. No, whether it's Russell the Westbrook. Oh, you said Russell. I think you said Russell. I Wilson. probably did because I'm an asshole. No, you're good. Russell, I think I'm on Russell on Westbrook, the NBA. Westbrook. First ball at Hall of Fame? I mean, no. Okay. But does he get into the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Eventually, yeah. yeah I go but... for his ballot. He's, he ties, um as of right now, he tied Oscar Robertson's triple-double record. And, and uh, yeah. this, this is airing on Tuesday. So by the time you guys wake up and see this, he probably already broke it. Um, did get an MVP. Did make a finals. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, I won't cry if he doesn't. But I do think he deserves um, the nod. It depends on who's who's nominated with him in that class. But first ballot, I, I wouldn't say so. That's what I'm saying. I think he's yeah. still a Hall of Famer. I just don't think he's an automatic lock first ballot Hall yeah. of Famer. That's like that's you know? reserved for the best of the best of the best. And yeah, could be yeah. him, but could not. I mean, I even think KD has you know because he still has stuff to prove. You know, I think he went to Golden State and got gifted to 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 uh, championships. You know, um, so at the end of the day, like. Yeah, KD can be considered first ballot, but I don't think he's first ballot. I think he's a Hall of Famer, but I think if there's other people, if there's enough people in his class, you know, he could be pushed down, you know. Yep. Uh, was Luca's foul intentional? <laughs> the, the nut shot. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. But I think a lot of people, like, he's kind of just getting back at people now. Like, you know, he's old enough in the league, and he remembers how kind of people tried to treat him as a young kid coming in, just trying to, you know, play jokes on him, do anything to kind of get under their skin. Isn't and he he's a big that dude now. Montrez called a bitch uh, a bitch ass white boy. Yeah, that was him. Yeah. That was on him. Yeah, I believe. Oh. Yeah. Why are you gonna mess with them Eastern Europeans, man? Next thing you know, they put you in a guillotine and you swing you until know. you swing until you fall asleep. You don't even know why. You don't even know why your, your carotid artery is like blood flow. Don't, don't mess with whatever. Yo, whatever hood you grew up in. Don't mess. <laughs> 
Bullets, bombs, and blood, okay, in those Eastern European countries. Don't, don't mess with them kids. Don't try to punk them kids. Now, for me, I thought the shot was a foul, but where his location wasn't. <laughs> I think he got pushed, and he instinctively just turned around and flailed his arm, you know, and, and it's not like, I don't think he's that accurate. I don't think he, you know, I mean, the guy that he nut shot was like 6-1, too, so that means you had to swing low sweet chariot on that one, boy. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, last quick question. Are the refs not calling fouls on Z for Zion because he's bigger? Is he suffering from the Shaq effect? I mean, I, I don't call it the Shaq effect. It's funny that people even call it the Shaq. I call it the LeBron effect. Um, and I don't think he's suffering from anything. I think he's twice the size of any human being on that court, like Shaq, like LeBron was. And you, what, you, what you should be talking to is the people who actually defend against him. Just like it was, this is the thing that broke my mind because when Paul Pierce was talking about LeBron James being one of the hardest players to defend, he would say, Literally, you could not get his hands off of the ball. Like, the guy is so strong, you could literally hack him with a full arm swing. Like, put your arms up and hack all the way down, and, and the still, ball won't move. Still, yeah, the ball won't move. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, they should be calling fouls. Maybe they should be calling harder fouls for those harder fouls if they're not going to call the lighter ones because it doesn't seem like it affects him as much because that's really what a referee looks at. You know, they see, you know, if he's if he if they move him off balance because if you got a point guard that bounces into a, a let's say a center, you know, the center's not going to feel it. It's not going to affect him, but it still may be a foul if that same point guard bumps into another guy, knocks him off balance and puts him into the ground. So, at the end of the day, it's still the 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 mat, like the movement, uh, you know, or how, how much it affects that player during that play. Um, so I do think it is a bit unfair, but it's the same thing like saying, oh, well, I'm six foot and that seven foot guy is shooting the ball and I can't get there. Like, it's a sport. At the end of the day, if you're getting hacked, go through it or do what all the other NBA plays do. Like, if you get hit, you have to kind of act it out a little bit. You know, that's just, you know, if you act like you're not getting affected by the play, the referee can't say, oh, you're getting hacked. Like, it's just what the point of the game is. So I think that's why at I the said end this day, quick question for last, because I knew that was there was a conversation. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, I think what's going to happen is uh, Zion can't just bully himself in the paint, because if you watch all all he does is bully himself. In the, like, there's no there's no 15 foot turnaround jumpers. There's no, you know you know, off the glass, you know, finesse move. There's literally in the paint every single time, bully the, bully the guy down. So uh, if you're going to play that style, just like Giannis was playing the last two, three years, you know, he, he now has this turnaround 15-foot jumper, kind of move around, play around a little bit, Euro step left, right, um, you know, that finesse game instead of the power game. Because, man, I'll tell you, Zion is one of the most powerful and quick people you'll see. But at the end of the day, how do you stop that? You stop that by just blatantly fouling him or, you know, slapping at the ball, you know, slap yeah. at the ball, you know, things happen. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's putting up ridiculous numbers. So I don't think you could have a guy like David Kiffin really saying that he's getting unfairly treated with fouls. Uh, you know, yeah. well, I, this... I just think this is the way the game is now. It's, it's a softer league, you know, and you have a guy who's a tougher guy playing in a softer league, you know, what, 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 
You know, he ain't getting he's, them calls, he's running through people. Yeah, you're not going to get called. I'm sorry, it's never going to happen. Well, that's the blowback, right? That's Rob. That's the drawback when you, um, when the officiating and when the rules, the rules, uh, the the rule changing and circumventing of the rules. Uh, favors the offensive player just to make them the league more exciting. You got to take the good with the bad, right? You you're not gonna call offensive fouls when like people like him are booty bumping people or when when Westbrook is dribbling with one hand and takes the other the other guy and really and basically just stiff arms the other guy and not, literally knocks right. him down with his free hand. You're not gonna call offensive foul on that because you're trying to make the league more exciting and not stop the game. That's I guess that's that's got to work both ways, right? You gotta you, you gotta look you gotta you gotta give the defense something. So, um, yeah, he's got it's it's unfair, but such is life, and he's got to grin and bear it. And unfortunately, he's got a fractured um, he's got a fractured hand. He's out indefinitely because of that, you know. Yeah. And and that was the warning, you know. It's it's just yeah. it's just too bad. I'm telling yeah. no, I'm telling you, it's just all he has to do is have a little bit of finesse game. Literally, look at Giannis two years ago, three years ago. All he did was try to back people down, and all they did in the playoffs was just put people in the paint. Teammates got pressure to make make shots. He doesn't win. But if Zion can beat his guy and then pass out, or he can, you know, hit just a fifteen footer, you know, not thirty five feet, you know, ten feet behind the three point three point line, just you know, anything on the free foot, free throw line. But they're literally putting him on the paint on the block as a six seven, you know, two hundred and sixty five pound guy. You know, their guys are bigger. <laughs> I'm sorry, like seven foot, 280 pounds is still 200 pounds, you know, to, I mean, to 20 pounds heavier, you know, no matter what you put it as. So, no, no doubt. Cool, man. So. Hey, that's, listen, it was supposed to be a quick question, but I made sure I saved that one for last because I know it's yeah. something, something we wanted to get in depth about, man. You, Rob, you got all up in it, man. Um, that's a quick question, guys. But before we go, um, two things. One, congratulations to Carmelo Anthony. Um, he actually is now 10th on the all-time scoring list. That happened after, right after the other uh, episode we did, so we didn't have a chance to, to cite that, even though I did put it on the news feed last night, you know, later on. So congrats, big up to Anthony, who's, who somehow um, resuscitated this game. He's ha- He seems really happy with the Blazers. You know, you got Il- Lillard, who's a Portland guy. He ain't going nowhere, not even for more money. You know, he's loyal and... and and I mean, I I think that's all Carmelo Anthony wants. He just wants a little loyalty back, you know, and he found a good partner, found a good situation, and I hope he stays there until he retires or maybe even passes someone else on the list. But before we go, I wanted to talk to about, about Tom Thibodeau, okay, because this is highly, highly ignored. And Rob, bear with me on this, right? When I was coaching in the CUNY Conference, this small conference in New York, I was a head coach at City College, and some of the coaches come up to me and they say, um, it was Ray Bello and Justin Stack who were at Hunter, and they said, Jay, who's, um, who do you think should get coach of the year, right? And, of course, I, I think it's always me, right, because I'm, I'm the guy doing more with less, right, their first winning season, their first postseason invitation. But I said, no, nah, it should be Eater, Eater Mathaya from City Tech. City Tech had a combined, like, six wins in, like, three years, and he had his first winning season. But So Justin and Ray tell me, and I'm getting somewhere with this, Justin and Ray tell me, well, you know, Kevin Edwards is their setter. He played on the Trinidadian national team, right? Um, but he, So he's kind of like an on-court coach. So you think Eater should get coach of the year because, you know, this guy's like an on-court coach too? I said, oh, maybe, maybe not. But I said, I got a question for you. By that rationale, does that mean Kevin Edwards is a, um, a conference MVP? And they're like, uh, I don't know, and this and that. And I'm like, 
See what I'm saying? You put you put both in a category where you're not going to talk about him, and I didn't like that. Zach Zacharias got MVP that year, but but I'm like, I just you we just totally glossed over the fact, and their names are not remembered because you didn't have the the guts or the audacity to say this guy did a great coaching job with only one player. Um, you using the player so being so good as an excuse, right? But at the same time, you don't want to give that good player MVP. And that's what's going on with the Knicks. I do not. I love Montel Williams and I like what he's doing, but I do not want. I really hope he gets coach of the year because at the end of the day, the only thing anyone remembers is who won and who didn't, you know. And if and if you say he, he shouldn't get coach of the year because Randall's having the best year of his life, then give Randall MVP. You don't 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 snub them both. Don't 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 you know, don't shun them both. Yeah. So, right. You could say. Paul is like an on-court coach, but you don't want to give Paul an MVP either, right? So, I mean, it's a tricky situation. But so I wanted this before we go. Kudos. Whatever happens, I hope Thibodeau gets coach of the year. Same. Robbie. Rob McLean, is there anything you want to say to this mass population, to these 11K people who have been supporting our show every week? Stay happy, stay healthy, y'all. Stay happy, stay healthy. I like it. The Russell Simmons of our sports debate show. This is Rob Keep It McLean McLean. I'm Jason DeBiss. This is episode 65 of Sports Debate Tuesday. We love you guys. The pieces. We out. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.